I'm CJ. And this is Harry Potter Movie Minutes. The podcast where two friends break down the movies of the wizarding world in excruciating detail and obnoxious commentary. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Hi there. Oh, hello. Okay, you, you're down? You're ready? I don't think we fought last week, so I think we're good. We don't have to clarify anything. Oh, yeah, I don't think there are any arguments to discuss. That's such a bummer. <laughs> I'm just never going to say anything ever. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, my darling? I'm okay. I don't know about this chunk, though, so I'm excited to hear you talk about it, because I, I don't know. Hey, you know, they can't all be winners. This is true. I mean, I guess when you isolate movies 10 minutes at a time, there's not going to be <laughs> always. <laughs> this is the most fascinating 10 minutes. Like, hmm. this was like a. Was this 10? No, this was like 11 minutes. Yeah, it was just over 10. You know, I'm I'm not here to do the YouTuber oversell of every little thing that happens. Also a good point. Like, <laughs> the fascinating moment here at minute <laughs> 12562. Like, no. It's like, no. No, I didn't. And no, neither did anybody else. Not to drag the YouTubers. Listen, I'm a YouTube fanatic. Mm. But uh, anyway, shall we dive in? Let us. Let us dive in. You go ahead. Okay, so we're going to open today at breakfast, my favorite meal of the day, (laughs) Uh, with the trio hanging out eating some food Hermione and Ron are encouraging Harry to eat before his first Quidditch match um, which is just very sweet and friendly you gotta love that it's almost verbatim to the book but it's actually Seamus telling him to keep his strength up because seekers normally get clobbered <laughs> some, some cute little line <laughs> I like that I looked it up real quick I'm like who says what oh not cute okay that actually makes it way better <laughs> <laughs> take a bit of toast mate uh, so Snape randomly saunters by to wish Harry good luck. Uh, I was never sure if this was a moment of sincerity. I realized what it was today because I did. I wrote the same note. I said, I'm sorry, why would Snape stop by? Is it real? So I, I thought about it and kind of looked into it because no, it's not in the book. But I think it is the moment for, there's a different moment in the book. Sorry to cut you off. Um, there's a moment in the book where Harry figures out that the his leg is hurt because of Fluffy. Mm-hmm. And it's not this. It's they were in the courtyard. Remember, Hermione would conjure those blue flames. Mm-hmm. And they looked guilty or something. So Snape swooped over and asked them what they were up to. They said nothing. But Harry had a, um, a library book. Right. He takes a book away from them. He takes the books. And Harry goes to the staff room to go try to see if he can get the book back. And that's where he sees Snape and Filch and Snape's bloodied leg. But this, so I think the movie was just going, hey, here's the moment that he discovers why his leg hurts. Right, the staff room that we never see in the films. Oh, God, we never do, but it is important to, like, the plot of many of these books, right? It's in almost every book, if not every book. Oh, shit, you're super right. Like, fourth book, that's Dobby in a staff room listening. That's how he gets Gillyweed. The fifth book... Is there this book, they hide in a cabinet of old robes, and that's how they find out that it's Jenny Weasley in the... In this... Correct. Oh, God, you're so right. That is a prominent room. Fuck. Like, important shit happens in there. Mm, we don't need to say it. It's fine. But we do uh, need Anyway. Like we said in the last movie, a grand staircase that never existed. Right. I, was, I also kind of looked at it as, like, a very childish taunting, especially 
he adds at the end, like, even if it is against Slytherin, it's like... I, I didn't take it that way. It's, I took it as it's almost his attempt to be nice. Interesting. It's creepy the way he does it. He even said, he kind of like smiles and was like, well, good luck today, even if it is. Again, I think he's trying to like kind of quietly taunt and like have a playful moment, but why? Like, we don't know Snape in the books or the movies as a fun teacher that they right. would have this friendly conversation with. It doesn't. That would be playful like that in, at, at all. Yeah, it doesn't fit. And it, it, it is. It's like a taunt. It's like, oh, okay, good luck against us today. Har har. But why? I said, mm. why would he do that? <laughs> Well, as you pointed out, as Snape walks away, Harry notices he's limping and he starts to piece things together from the night before, from Halloween. Um, personally, I think it's a reach to believe an 11-year-old is quite this intuitive or even observant, yeah. um, especially when he's about to play his first Quidditch match ever. But hey, let's go with it. Yeah. Uh, he works out that, Harry works out that Fluffy is guarding whatever it is that Hagrid moved from Kringotts during their trip to Diagon Alley, and that Snape must want it for some reason. Um, just after that, we hear the screech of an owl, and Hedwig comes soaring toward them, carrying a very discreetly wrapped package. <laughs> is it just Hedwig, or are there more owls? In the movie, there's just Hedwig. I don't know about the book. What I will tell you about the book is that the package literally comes with a note that says, do not open this at the table. It contains your new Nimbus 2000. Maybe I'm dumb. Maybe we might have to cut this, though. Don't yell at me. Is the broom actually from McGonagall? That is my literal next, not question, but point, I guess. Okay, because so... We never actually find that out. Like, Ron creams his little panties about, it's a Nimbus 2000, oh my god. And Harry looks around inquisitively and he eventually notices Hedwig sitting next to Professor McGonagall. Right. And I feel like it's a really weird implication that she purchased it for him. I do not ever remember thinking that McGonagall bought this. And where's McGonagall getting that kind of money? Well, now it says it's never explicitly stated who paid for the broom. However, okay. it's likely to have been McGonagall herself, as she is the one who made arrangements for Harry to play. I don't know. That's all really fishy. Yeah, especially when she's so rigid to the rules. As right. We... Students aren't, first years aren't supposed to play at all. They're not even supposed to have a broom. Mm -hmm. Like, and now a head of house and the deputy headmistress is going to be like, oh, I'm going to buy you a very expensive that's Recent. a conflict of interest, isn't it? Like, that's not fucked up at all. I don't know. It's a weird moment. I don't like the implication that she's paying for it. I would rather label under the... Not label. Wow. I would rather labor under the delusion that he paid for it himself. With his grandpa's money. Well, and can we just point out the part, too? Like, hey, it's the morning of your first Quidditch match. Now you got a broom. Right. That was another thing I was about to say. Like, Really? Like, what was he going to fly on? <laughs> <laughs> I would assume one of the school brooms like he does later in the series, but we waited till that morning? I, 
I know that in the book it's not like that, but I know, but I don't know. The movie just felt like a <laughs> a morning of convenience. Conveniently, Snape stopped by. Conveniently, his <laughs> leg hurt. Conveniently, here's a broom, and oh, it must be from McGonagall because the owl is there. All right, wrap it up. <laughs> yes, yes, very that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So next we see the Gryffindor team marching up to the Quidditch pitch. Into That's this so kind of... I wrote the exact phrase. <laughs> the, Quidditch... the team is marching up to the Quidditch pitch. But I also said everybody's brooms look ratty as shit. Yeah, except for Harry's. <laughs> was that like on purpose? like, Or was that just like, this is what all new brooms look like? I feel like to some extent it's on purpose. Like, There's really never any indication that there is another wealthy family in his class. Mm. I think there's an assumption that Neville's family is wealthy just because they are a pureblood family. But like we know the Weasleys are poor as shit. But why, did, why does every single broom look like all frayed out? Like do they just get frayed out from being- it's like they're not actually used to sweep floors. <laughs> like should they stay together? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just found the whole thing odd. Like his so tightly put together the bristles or whatever and then the bristles of the other ones are all splayed out. I feel like it's probably over-exaggerated just to emphasize the fact that his is brand new and the highest quality. And aerodynamic, maybe. All of that shiite. Sure. Anyway. But uh, they walk into this little holding area, which was very strange vibes, and Wood gives Harry the most glorious pep talk about being hospitalized during his first match as this gate slash door opens uh and they fly out onto the field this it's kind of a fucked up moment too because harry actually looks really tiny in that moment yeah like compared to him like this should be the moment where you go oh it's gonna be okay <laughs> nope i don't know first time i went out <laughs> knocked unconscious for a week you'll be fine let's go <laughs> not to die <laughs> um lee jordan welcomes the school to the first match of the season which like how the hell did lee jordan get this job <laughs> i know that later in the series they give it to luna so there's obviously not any kind of a prereq but like why also lee looks really small lee looks really small too i guess he's only what are they two years older oh, okay so i guess they're only third years so they're 11. so they'd be 13. oh god math okay yeah. I wanted the fun um, back and forth, though, of Lee Jordan with McGonagall, where he's being really biased. Like, that would have been fun when nobody ever wrote that. In. Yeah, and those silly little side comments of, like, doesn't he say something about asking Angelina out or one of the girls out? <laughs> no, he just says something like, and now they pass it to Angelina, who's very attractive, by the way. <laughs> like, that's cute. And realistically, there's almost no commentary. Like, absent of the goals like there's no like they kind of cut that out that's fine it is what it is um the players circle the field and they ready themselves for the toss-up madam hooch's creepy cat eyes are glowing i, I wrote that i said hoochie's eyes slightly terrifying like why anyway anyway she states that she wants a nice clean game from all of you right uh okay she releases the bludgers just by kicking the chest, which is also a choice. And the snitch. Uh, and we see it, the snitch hover briefly in front of each seeker before disappearing. Confession. Totally thought that 
the Slytherin seeker Terrence Higgs was an absolute babe as a kiddo. Oh my God. Because I wrote the same thing. <laughs> like, remember I said to you in like one of the episodes recently, I was like, I don't really find any of the people attractive in this, but I loved, I loved Wood. And I was like, well, no, wait, there's one kid in the Quidditch match that I think is cute. That's oh. the one. <laughs> I totally would have dated a Slytherin. Like, I'm sorry. You would have sold your soul to date that Slytherin. Oh. He was so cute. It's creepy for me to say now that he's cute. Like, I should find, like, adult pictures of him. But, like, when I was 11, my little heart was throbbing. Holy shit. He's still very handsome. He looks like a handsome little kid. But, yeah, at the moment, too, we were like, you know, you can't feel that way anymore. You're old. Wait a minute. You looked him up? <laughs> no, just in the movie today. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. But now I need to look him up, so. This is how we, <laughs> this is how we go down the rabbit hole, bigger staff. Madam Hooch tosses the quaffle and the game takes off. There's a lot of swerving in and out and near misses and questionable CGI. Mm -hmm. But uh, I overall, I did enjoy how they brought these matches to life. Um, I know that the author is on record saying that she hated writing the Quidditch matches. And that's actually largely why there are fewer and fewer of them as the series progresses. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. But they're definitely some of my favorite parts of the books. Hmm. I don't know. I always, like, the first thing I did whenever I got a new book was look through the chapters to look at the chapter art. And That's cute. I always looked forward to the chapters that were very obviously about Quidditch. I guess the thing that I did think that they did well, obviously, like the CGI is not great. It, and it's interesting too; it's like a mix of CGI. Did you notice that too? Like it's sometimes like a CGI kid, and also it's like a real kid against like a green screen or something. I'm like, huh. Yep. But the thing I did like is when they were first walking onto the pitch, that music and the, the everybody cheering and stuff, like the swell of the sound as they're walking up. I'm like, okay, they did do a good job of like making me go, oh yeah, I'm excited. Here's Quidditch. Like, oh, I'm excited to be at this event. Then it kind of wasn't my favorite. I don't think I started, but. Okay, that's cute to know. Yeah, that fan fair there is very cutesy, and I adore it. Yeah. Brings us back to, we went to, did you go to a lot of sporting events in college? I think we did, didn't we? Um, I was in pep band, girl. <laughs> you did not have a choice. I did not have a choice. Every home football game. And then at least I was paid for basketball pep band. That was actually kind of a shit, because we were barely supervised if at all and so we would just kind of get hammered and play whatever we wanted to play i was gonna say wasn't there some drinking going on the stands there was a lot of drinking going on hopefully none of those professors are listening to this because you know i'm definitely still in touch with all of them and there would be repercussions i was gonna say and also they really can't take away your paycheck from (laughs) (laughs) what did you get paid because i think minimum wage for the campus was eight dollars and 40 cents oh it wasn't minimum wage it was a flat rate i think it was like 50 bucks a game oh no joke really so it wasn't bad money uh football pet band was not paid that was mandatory that was part of our class but basketball pet band you actually had to audition for because it was a much smaller crew at least at first i feel like eventually they might have transitioned over because i do remember sitting behind like in the (laughs) this is not gonna matter to literally any listener that happens to listen to this but if you remember going into the basketball court or like walking into the the gym gym Mm -hmm. thank you why that 
name or that word was escaping me is beyond me. You had you, he walked in, you were right behind the one net, and then the opposite end of the court behind that net was where the pet band sat. Yes. And so we were just kind of, I don't know, over there. I don't know. It was a very weird situation. And then at one point we switched and we were on the bleachers and I would get so pissed off because the, whoever was running audio for the fucking game would just start playing something on the stereo while we were playing during a timeout when we're supposed to be filling the time when we're literally paid to be there filling Mm. it with music we'd start something and they'd play like we will rock you and it's like fuck off yeah we're not just here entertaining ourselves (laughs) you're literally paying for live music right now like what are you doing assholes nice i worked the athletics department remember for three and a half years so right I was in the office. I got paid one rate for being in the office, then I got paid another rate for working like the ticket booths. So I'd work the ticket booths at the basketball games. Maybe I'd stay, but usually my friends were yeah like hammered by that point. <laughs> like by the time I get out and have time, right. hammered. Um, and then football, I remember I definitely got paid like eighty cents more to do parking. <laughs> oh my God, I lived on that parking lot for two years. Do you remember that? I lived on the curb, literally outside your apartment. <sighs> lord anyway anyway but yeah the sporting event uh we're getting now into the game itself yeah yes we see gryffindor pull ahead thanks to some great work by the chasers and woods superior goalkeeping um marcus flint gets flustered takes a bat from a beater this moment never made any sense to me but like whatever he takes a bat from a beater and he hits a bludger right at wood hitting him square in the stomach wood falls like an uncomfortable distance and like crashes into the sand and like nobody seems to react outside of some very obnoxious grimacing from harry did you really that's literally my only note about harry i said wood is really good until he gets bludgeoned by a shitty teeth guy slytherin gets real dirty harry just grimaces (laughs) i yeah (laughs) they're very similar today um one thing that I did note, uh, I didn't note much, so I'll just get out my last couple of notes here. But I did say, first of all, the scoreboard. <laughs> that little cash register in front of, old-timey <laughs> cash register in, right in front of fucking... Okay, and I said, and that's cute, but that's a really shitty scoreboard for everyone else attending. <laughs> like, unless it's projected somewhere that we just don't see, it's literally like a little ching like you said, like a cash register that just sits there and faces the teachers. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And then I also wrote um, these extras as the Hogwarts teachers, though. I I have a note about that later. <laughs> Thank God. Okay, we'll get to that. They cut mine. I'm not important. Okay, go back. You're. Oh, my God. Don't ever say that. Sorry. Not I just important. My note was not important. I'm glad you're getting that. I literally have, yeah, like two more notes and that's it. Like, I really didn't. I I have like another half a page, but it's going to go quickly. Okay. Uh, Slytherin continues to play dirty because of course they do. We love a bad boy. Here we are. Um, And Harry is still just chilling, watching it all happen. Like, I don't know, girl, maybe look for the snitch. Like, what do you, are you really just going to sit in one spot? I don't know. I feel like in the book, there's actually a moment when Wood yells at him because he's, sitting in one spot and just watching the game but that's really all he does this entire game yeah i think he says something like hey would you like to get going or something like that uh, 
Yeah. Anyway, thankfully the snitch flies right in front of his face. <laughs> uh, he starts to chase after it, only to realize that he has lost control of his broom. Uh, Hermione somehow picks up Snape's face out of a crowd of hundreds, thousands of <laughs> people. We'll get back to that. Uh, and is convinced that he is jinxing Harry's broom. Like, do you mean to tell me, like, pause, let's go back to these extras <laughs> in the okay. faculty box. Do you mean to tell me that not one other teacher in that faculty box noticed that their colleague was whispering a jinx under his breath? Like, they are sharp as tacks there, aren't they? Like, no, they're not. They're all old and weird. Like, they're all so odd looking. What is going on there? Who are these people? I even at one point wrote, why are there so many adults? Like, there's going to be a ton of adults. I'm like, I didn't think their faculty was that big. No, 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 no. They're not. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Hermione takes off to save the day like Hermione does. Not by, oh, I don't know, but telling a fucking adult, which <laughs> based on our previous comment about how they're completely incompetent, maybe that's actually the right route, but whatever. Um, but instead, she somehow teleports across the pitch. Thank you. That was another thing. Like, practically, it would have taken, we saw the size of that thing. I remember even thinking, I think I even wrote, like, I'm not mad at the Quidditch pitch, like the way that they portrayed it as like this huge field, like, I'm not mad at that, but then explain to me how hard Marnie was there in, like, under a minute. Oh, my God. She snaps her fingers, and she's just there. Yeah, she learned uh, apparition very early. <laughs> Clearly. And meanwhile, everyone else is just looking on. Like, nobody's going to do anything. I remember in the book that Fred and George try to, like, fly up to Harry and pull him onto one of their brooms. But the they jinx just keeps him. carrying him higher every time they try to. Exactly. And then eventually they start circling below him to catch him if he falls. But also, like, nobody's going to do anything. Nobody else. Where the fuck are you, Hoochie? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Is this not part of your job? There's just not that many players on the field. There's 14 on at a time. Wood already got knocked out. They Didn't they smack Angelina or somebody down one of the sides? Yeah. So you're down to 12 players and one of them is bucking wildly like on an invisible bull in the middle of the freaking pitch and just everybody's only Hagrid's going that broom's been dumbbarred with I'm like cool no one no one else nobody that's it. okay okay I mean honestly no wonder the kids don't bother going to the adults it's fine <laughs> I wouldn't either uh, <laughs> Harry continues to flail about until Hermione emerges beneath the bleachers of the faculty box which like girl you know this inside and out already for somebody who is attending their first presumably their first quidditch match but anyway uh she lights snape's robe on fire uh in the kerfuffle that follows half of the faculty box is knocked over like a fucking row of dominoes <laughs> so quickly i thought that was funny too i'm like he kind of like seems to kind of i don't know it's supposed to be like a get up and be surprised and then somebody falls back and somebody falls back but it looks like he gets up smacks somebody <laughs> yeah it also takes an uncomfortable amount of time for them to notice that somebody is on fire i did write one note i said is hermione an arsonist yes she has a real fascination with fire i'm just saying i'm here for it we just talked about her bluebell flames that she keeps in a jar but when she yes. them, she's like mm -mm, go and set this man on fire yeah i dig it i love that for her 
That'd be funny. Um, side note, pause, side note, but like a glimpse into their futures. <laughs> Ron goes, she always threatens to burn the house down. One day she finally fucking did it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling those fires that were caused in the East Village, she did them. <laughs> At. I think this is just a hobby of hers. Hurry, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> However, like truth be told, we have no idea who the crap most of these people are, with the exception of a couple. No. And I don't remember this. Are parents allowed to like come and watch the matches? Otherwise, who are these? There's another moment where like there's a, a, a like a couple of players are like ramming against each other, and they like zoom over one of the stands, and you see like several adults duck out of the way, and it's like, who the fuck are you? That's what I was saying. I'm like, there. This can't all be faculty. No, it's absolutely not. There's something weird going on. I don't know if it's people from Hogsmeade. I don't know if it's parents or governors or whatever the fuck the deal is. But it's strange. The board of governors or whatever that like have something to do with the school. Yeah, the governors that remove that Lucius blackmails to remove Dumbledore and Chamber of Secrets. Maybe, but even then, it just, it does. It just feels like too many adults, like, yeah, we could justify it and say Hogsmeade people come to watch, but it's still like... Uh, The jinx is broken, and Harry is able to remount his broom and resume playing. Uh, Once again, (laughs) in this time where, like, his life was in jeopardy, the game has just continued as if nothing was wrong. In fact, I'm pretty sure in the book, like... There's a moment where Marcus Flint takes the quaffle and scores like four times and nobody notices because Harry's broom is like flying around like crazy and trying to kill him. I think you're right. That might be another book, but I know that happens at one point. I guess, I don't know, wizards are much more hardcore than I am. (laughs) (laughs) So Terrence Higgs is basically right on top of the snitch and Harry is able to catch right up to him like immediately with ease, no trouble. But then, for some reason, he's not able to pass him. The fuck? Like, he zooms up to him from, like, way behind him, and then all of a sudden, it's like he gets stuck. Like, he gets level with him, and it's like, nope, cannot go any further. Yeah, like, you're not in traffic. There's not a semi in front of you. You can go faster. (laughs) They do this, like, very cutesy, like, ram into each other back and forth thing a few times. Mm Mm-hmm. Before going into an all-out nosedive, which quickly turns into a game of chicken, like we're in the movie Footloose. (laughs) Go and watch Footloose. Not the one that came out a few years ago. The one with Kevin Bacon. You're welcome. Anyway. I've never seen it. What? Don't yell at me. You know what I did watch at the end of last night, though? Wild Things, and I saw Kevin Bacon's dick. Okay, Wild Things is a fucked up movie. You need to go and watch Footloose. But I already saw his dick. Why do I need to watch? Why have you seen Wild Things and you haven't seen Footloose? I didn't watch all of Wild Things. I kind of just watched the sex scene and then the end, but again. I was going to say, you've kind of just watched the parts where Kevin Bacon is full frontal. When they do pull out, do you call it broom surfing? Um, I have a lot of feelings about that moment. So, like, they both pull out his nosedive. Higgs pulls out first, and then Harry pulls out, and for some fucking reason stands up on his broom. Like, this never made any sense to me, outside of, like, maybe looking cool. Like, we talked about in the first first Quidditch lesson that, like, Draco mounts his broom like a... I don't fucking know. Well, okay, so 
real quick, so two two parts on this. Number one, didn't we see the like the beginning of the scene too? Harry doesn't really seem steady on his broom. Like he kind of seems again like he's wibbly wobbly, like we talked about before. He doesn't seem super steady on it at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. But then fine, then he just kind of sits there on his broom waiting for the fucking snitch to show up. Fine. But then when he does this little surfing move too, where he like gets on the broom and kind of surfs to go get it. Fun fact, I did look this up. Not what happened. I think they said he clambered back onto his broom, starts to like jet towards. I think he saw that Marcus Flint is that the guy that's going to go with the snitch. Marcus Flint's the other guy. Higgs. Oh what? Terrence. What's his character name? Terrence Higgs. (laughs) Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's his real name. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, so this guy, the other seeker, starts to go see the thing, and he like starts to go for it. He like starts to go for the snitch and Harry goes for it too and he ends up swallowing it. Doesn't say surfed for a minute and then <laughs> captured it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, this was totally a choice for the movie. That was a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if it was like, let's find a plausible way for him to have almost swallowed it. Yeah. Or what, but I don't know. It's weird. He stands up and like gag reflexes the snitch into his hands. Which was actually accurate. And I thought that too. Like, this is overacting. No, it says Harry rushes as if he was going to be sick. I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. My bad. But also, suddenly, somehow, everyone in that moment knows that he caught it. Like, never mind that 30 seconds ago he was about to fall to his death. (laughs) Like, nobody seemed to notice that. It was fine. But. Like, okay, he's got the snitch, so now we're going to pay attention to him. Anyway, Hoochie appears again. Like, so glad you were here, girl. I'm, (laughs) thank God. And proclaims a Gryffindor victory. Everyone erupts in celebration, except for the Slytherins, of course. But also, like, I'm sorry, circling back, how many fucking people are at this match? Like, at first I thought it was just, like, you have those, like, phallic stands that like shoot up from the ground at first i thought there were just people in those but no 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 no. if you look closely there are actually people all around the base of those as well really yeah no i missed that entirely girl we're talking about thousands of people we've already established that there's almost no way that there were more than a thousand students at hogwarts at a time right so who the, who the hell are all of these people? <laughs> the fuck did they come from? Yeah, it's the numbers don't add up at all. Um, you're totally right too. But the last scene where they go, Gryffindor wins like immediately. The book says there's like like several moments of confusion because nobody fully understood what was going on because Harry just looked like he was gonna be sick <laughs> and then he spits it out. I think he has to say, "I caught the snitch" or something like, and then they acknowledge that it happened. So how it's so immediate, like oh. <laughs> good I, I guess it's just probably they'd probably try not to prolong the scene because this scene was a damn near nine minutes of our 11 yeah it's a it's a long scene mm-hmm. and I, I feel like it had to be because it's Quidditch it's our first introduction to Quidditch like okay let's calm down let's not be so hard on them but also like girl okay so they win yes Gryffindor <laughs> wins and then we are back on the grounds with the trio and they're chatting with Hagrid and he is assuring them that Snape is not after the stone. Uh, In their little back and forth, Hagrid lets two details slip, one that's kind of silly and one that's huge. Uh, The former being (laughs) 
<laughs> the fact that the three-headed dog is named Fluffy, which is just... <laughs> stupid. It's stupid, but it's, like, the side of Hagrid that I like. Like, And it shows his, like, softer side because everyone just thinks that he's going to be this big, gruff dude. Mm. And in reality, he's just a little sweetheart. Okay, not little, but he's just a sweetheart. <laughs> no, um, I was going to say the thing that we don't see in this movie, although we do see Norbert, we don't see the moment that he gets put into the crate and taken away by right. Ron's brother. But I remember when he does in the book, he packs a teddy bear for him. Right, and there's that moment where they like hear something and they're like fairly certain that the teddy bear's head has just been ripped off. <laughs> I am Hagrid. I'm like, oh yeah, let me so we have Fluffy, and the second detail that Hagrid lets slip is the name Nicolas Flamel. Mm. And I'm going to pause right there for a book, bitch, because yeah. in the book, this is not the first time we hear that name. What? In the book, on the train to Hogwarts, when Harry opens his first chocolate frog. No, we have discussed this. And gets his Dumbledore card. He yeah. reads the bio, which mentions Dumbledore's work in alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. Mm. In the movie, this is nowhere to be found. Uh, later on in the book, Harry realizes it by... Neville feels bad about something. I don't remember what it was. Uh, but he gives Neville chocolate frog cards to cheer him up. And I'm pretty sure that Neville gives him the Dumbledore card back and says, like, I already have this one. And that's when Harry looks down at it and sees the name Nicholas Flamel. Mm -hmm. And that, like, leads to them looking into alchemy and actually figuring out who the fuck it is. In the movie, we, of course, just rely on the female heroine to fucking figure things out. <laughs> Whatever, we're going to figure that out later. But that is where we close things for today. Well, no, I actually do remember the moment. It was um, something like Snape, or not Snape, sorry, the other bad one. Draco said something kind of shitty to, or no, he did the leg lock curse on Neville. And Neville hops into the Gryffindor com common room. Oh. Remember he attacked him in the hallway and they say to him, you're worth 10 of Malfoy. And then they give him a chocolate frog to comfort him. Right. Here you can have this card. I already have it. Yeah, they're much more like good to Neville. Like Neville's more involved in the books, period, than they show in the movies. Oh, definitely. And they actually don't even mention in the movies that Neville could have been a potential Harry Potter. No, they never discuss that discrepancy mm -hmm. of the boy born in at the end of July. Nope. But yeah, this ten minutes. Um, I mean, it is revealing. It is a good 10 minutes because we get to find out about the Snape connection to Fluffy. We get to find out about Fluffy's name and we find out about Nicholas Flamel. So on that note, what would you, um, what would you seek her? What would you seek her? What would you seek her or keep her? What would you, what would you keep her? And keep her. Uh, what would you keep her and what would you bludger? Yeah. Um. I gotta say my keeper is just the overreacted close-up grimaces during the Quidditch match <laughs> because they are glorious and they are plentiful. And if I could have one job acting for the rest of my life, that's all I want to do. <laughs> now you flash to you and you're upset. 
Now we flash you and you're frustrated. <laughs> and you're done for the day. <laughs> Give me a real... <laughs> <laughs> okay, your reaction just now, I would have paid for. <laughs> All right, and what would you beat her? What would you beat her away in these 10 minutes? Girl, hoochie baby, why are you even here? Like, just get out of here with your little cat eyes. I, I, I don't, go away. <laughs> I'm a beater of that shit. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> I don't, I don't even have anything else to say. I don't feel like I need to say anything in defense of that because she's so <laughs> fucking ridiculous yeah. and f it's superfluous. Like, yeah. bye. What about you? What are you going to keep her? Okay, I'm keeper in. <laughs> I do love, <laughs> this is such a dumb, like, clearly I'm not paying attention to the sporting event, but I love uh, Snape's outfit at the club. <laughs> <laughs> it's all black. It's buttoned up. He looks warm as shit because he's got that black uh, scarf on. And then when she does set his fucking cape on fire, his shoes are on point too. I'm like, damn, I would wear this. <laughs> Snape is a style icon. We stand. Oh my my goth, crabby ass. Like, I guess I'm at this fucking shit. <laughs> Um, that's my a keeper, my beater in this. Um, the CGI is just odd. Like the mix, the mix that they do of like, it's a real kid. No, it's not. It's a real kid. No, it's not. Like, could we have just, we could have just picked a fucking medium and been done. Like, I feel like when they're actual kids being on the brooms, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. I'm with it. But when it's all some like creepy video game kids, I'm like, ha! Ah! <laughs> There are borderline comical moments when one of the Gryffindor goals is scored. The Slytherin keeper is completely CGI. Like, it, there's no way that it's a human at all. She, like, flies up, like, reaches out, and then gives this, like, aw, shucks! <laughs> it's, it's very, like, I guess that's my problem. Is like, it's very, like, intense when it's the kids. Like, they look like, oh, yeah, we're in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, God damn it. Like, we wanted to get that goal. When it's, when it's the video game kids are like, oh, darn, shaking my head. I'm like, Audrey. Yeah, I hate it. I feel like, I don't know if we've ever discussed this on this podcast. Maybe we have, if we, if this is like the 15th time I mentioned this, but I don't think so. I have a theory that in our lifetime, we will see a remake of the Harry Potter series completely animated. Oh, I'm here for that. More than that, I would be here for an animated series about the Marauders. In fact, I feel like that was a thing at a point. Really? Like, I feel like I heard mumblings of that at some point, and I would be down. I would watch that fucking animated series like nobody's business. They, they could make bank and stretch that fucking shit out forever if they wanted to just keep it accurate to the books, because they could. They could include peeves. They could include all sorts of effects that they couldn't with kids and, like, with real actors. Like, they could fucking stretch that series out for another ten years and make a shit ton. Peeves! Thank you. We have not even talked about him yet. No! Because he's not a factor in these movies, which he should have been. He's very funny. He's a great comedic relief. He's a great character and a great instigator and a great carrier sometimes of the plot. No, not a thing. The ghosts, too? Like, the ghosts could be a factor if you had the animated series? Like, there's just so much more you could do if it was animated. 
to develop and flesh out more of the story than we could. And like I said, if they made it a series that lasted longer than trying to cram it into two and a half hours and had to cut things for plot and cut things for fluidity, I that's my theory. It's a theory I've held close to my chest for a long time because I'm like, maybe I'm crazy. Like, maybe that will never happen. But I mean, I wish it would. I'd write it. On one hand, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen. On the other, because of cancel culture and the issues with the author, mm. I wouldn't be surprised to not see it happen. Okay, I love you. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye. Bye. wrote this too it's not really important note but i wrote i am snape at the sporting event wearing all black barely clapping (laughs) (laughs) he's like head to toe black goth kid going yeah here we go (laughs) so funny story about that yeah when i first moved to new york i by the way i don't want to be those people one of those people that just has to mention that they're from new york but this is really important um (laughs) It's important to the story. The first night that I moved here, I attended the opening night party for the Falsettos on Broadway. And I remember walking into that room and I was wearing a blue and white gingham button down with a red bow tie and a red pocket square. Um, and I chose not to wear a jacket, which might have been a mistake, but like, whatever. Um, I kid you not, there was not another person in that room that was wearing anything but a neutral. Oh. And I remember being like, what the fuck is the matter with you people? <laughs> like, why is everybody wearing black? Cut to today, four years later, I almost never wear anything other than black. I don't know what has happened to me, but there's something about the water here or the coffee. I don't know what it is, but something happens to you when you live in New York. The soul of New York. They're not fucking around with colors. We ain't got no time. We don't have any time. I think there's just kind of this illusion that like neutrals are a little classier, particularly black. Also, put your uh, hand down real quick. Is your one eye red? Your right eye underneath? Or am I just, is that a shadow? Right here, you mean? Yeah. I think it's just the lighting because this recessed light is out. Oh, okay. Just one side of your face. I'm like, did someone hurt you? (laughs) You tell me, right? Killed him. Yeah, no, it's just a shadow. Like, if I got really close. Yeah, no, you're fine. It's gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's continue to do that. Do you look at my pores? We should look at them. <laughs> look at how big my pores are. <laughs> <laughs>